On behalf of the family, thank you for joining us today. We've gathered here to remember and celebrate the life of Dorothy and Gregory. And we've also gathered to worship and honor God. There's grief, but there's also much joy as Dorothy has entered into her eternal home with Jesus. May God grant us his presence, grace, and peace as we have gathered. Please hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, you alone are worthy of our praise and our worship. As we remember and celebrate Dorothy's life, we honor you as we honor her as one of your children. In your boundless compassion, console us as we mourn. Help us see in death the gateway to eternal life. Bless our time together, I pray, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please sing with me. i 
Dorothy Ann Scott Gregory, 93, of Bueller, Kansas, passed away at home on July 29, 2022. She was born July 15, 1929, in Staff, Oklahoma, the daughter of Rosser A. and Jetty I. Wood Scott. Her parents were educators. Mom and her younger siblings, Paul and Ella Jane, moved with their parents to several southeastern Oklahoma communities as their dad advanced from teacher to principal to superintendent of schools. At age four, mom learned to read and her first reading material was the newspaper comics. She was a good student and did sixth and seventh grade in the same year in a joint classroom. She was active in 4-H and attended the Baptist church with the family. She accepted Christ as her savior at age 11. In 1945, the Scott family moved to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, near Tulsa, where mom graduated from Broken Arrow High School with the class of 1946. She attended Oklahoma Baptist University for three semesters before transferring to Northeastern State College in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. There she met another student, Leon Gregory, who she began dating and later engaged to. She graduated in 1950 with a Bachelor of Science degree in business education. She and Leon both found teaching positions in Cleveland, Oklahoma, where they married on November 2, 1950. He preceded her in death on February 2, 2009. They welcomed their first child, Mark, in 1952. In the summer of that year, they moved to Hutchinson, Kansas for teaching positions. Dad taught at Grandview Elementary and Mom at Daisy School, a one-room school just north of Yoder, where about half of the students were Amish. Mom retired from teaching after a short time and focused on raising her family. She and Dad founded Gregory Sign Company in 1956, where she worked as a bookkeeper and helped produce signs. Tim joined the family in 1955, Jonathan in 1960, Dave in 1962, and Sarah in 1965. Mom and Dad bought 80 acres uh, three miles south of Bueller in, in, uh, in 1967 and moved there. Uh, they moved the family business, now called Gregory Incorporated, to Bueller in the early 1970s. Mom had her hands full with a large family and the business. She also sewed clothing for all her kids, raised a large organic vegetable garden, served as financial secretary at First Southern Baptist Church, taught vacation Bible school, and always read things to learn about organic gardening, nutrition, natural health, and faraway places, as well as reading for pleasure. Mom loved the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. And after the kids were grown, she and dad bought four-wheelers that they rode on the mountain trails near Pitkin. She enjoyed travel, and they combined business with pleasure and trips to England, Germany, Colombia, Guam, and Australia, as well as across the U.S. They welcomed two exchange students from Colombia into the family, first Carolina Velez, and then a few years later, her younger brother, Daniel. Around this time, Mom decided to learn Spanish and took several semesters at Hutchinson Community College. Mom had her quirks. She accumulated a huge collection of plastic and foil containers for sending home leftovers. 
Her pantry was stocked to overflow, and she had a habit of squirreling away cash in drawers. <clears throat> she couldn't throw away a magazine or pass on a book because she might want to read it again. She kept every financial record from the late 1950s until now. But these habits meant she always had on hand what she needed to take care of others or answer a question. Dorothy and Leon joined the Mennonite, uh, Bueller Mennonite Brethren Church in the late 1980s, where she was a member of the funeral committee, a Sunday school class, and a small group. In the years since Dad died, she generously devoted more time and resource uh, resources for the sake of others. For example, the abundance of baked goods, especially scones, she donated um, for, uh, were items that were hot at the Gregory Incorporated Annual Charity Bake. Each year, she prepared many Christmas shoe boxes uh, for Samaritan's Purse to distribute to children in need all over the world. She also gave to Christian charities that ministered to the homeless, prisoners, and those who are blind. She has cared for her children and grandchildren in her quiet way. She didn't call us frequently. We were more likely to call her, but she showed her love in other generous ways. She sent subscriptions of Focus on the Family magazines for youth to her great-grandchildren. She stuffed envelopes with cash for her children, for her son and daughters-in-law, 12 grandchildren and 12 great-grandchildren at Christmas. She set out to make a quilt for each great-grandchild and still had a few to go. She always wanted to fill up our gas tanks when we visited from out of state. She sent us home with food with the excuse that she couldn't eat all of it. This, along with her service at church and her generous interactions with her friends and neighbors, revealed that the theme of her life was concern for the physical and spiritual well-being of others and doing practical and generous deeds of service in her signature, quiet, unsung way to address the needs of others. Mom had open heart surgery at age 89 and made a strong recovery. She moved to an independent living apartment at Sunshine Meadows Retirement Community in late 2019. She continued to work at Gregory Incorporated past retirement age, still working three mornings a week until age 90. In this last year, her health deteriorated due to cardiac issues. Recently, she expressed to her family that she was ready for the end and was sure of her place in heaven. She entered her eternal peace and reward just before 10 p.m. on Friday, July 29, 2022. She is survived by her sons, Timothy Gregory and wife Donna of Nixon, Missouri, Jonathan Gregory of Lincoln, Nebraska, and David Gregory and wife Beth of Cornelius, North Carolina. A daughter, Sarah Kuykendall, and husband Todd of Enid, Oklahoma. Daughter-in-law, Valerie Gregory of Bueller. Eight, grand great eight granddaughters, Leo Yoder and husband Greg of Burbank, California. Lindsay Butler and husband David of Scarborough, Maine. Claire Bowling and husband Jacob of St. Louis, Missouri. Andrea Gregory of St. Louis, Missouri, Joanna Gregory of Springfield, Missouri, Abigail Gregory of Cornelius, North Carolina, Grace Gregory of Greenville, South Carolina, and Michaela Bishop and husband Peyton of Piedmont, Oklahoma. Four grandsons, Andrew Gregory of Hutchinson, 
Aaron Gregory and wife Morgan of Springfield, Missouri, Jedediah Gregory of North Charlotte, North Carolina, and Christopher Kuykendall and wife Morgan of Cashin, Oklahoma. Twelve great-grandchildren, Gabriel and Lily Yoder, Vienna, Oliver, and Cora Butler, Asher and Aiden Gregory, Ella, Everett, Ezra, and Eli Kuykendall, and Max Bishop, um, a sister-in-law, Juanita Scott, and several nieces and nephews. Dorothy was preceded in death by her parents, Rosser and Jetty Scott, her husband, Leon, her oldest son, Marcus L. Mark Gregory, her brother, Rosser Paul Scott, and her sister, Ella Jane Dozier. On behalf of mom and all of our family, we are thankful for the prayers, visits, assistance, and care provided during these last few months from her neighbors in the congregate living apartments, her friends at Bueller MB Church, the staff of SMRC, and the caregivers with Phoenix Home Health and Hospice Services. We appreciate your kind attention to her and the ways your friendship gave her enjoyment. You know, this last week I was reading the um, obituary and I just really decided I didn't like that word. I don't know why. <laughs> Sounds harsh, I guess. I don't know, but it must be Latin for something about, like, um, try to say something nice or something. I don't know what it means, but it's... But um, I got to reading that and I thought, well, there's a lot to Dorothy. And Tim's filled in a lot of the spaces for you, but I thought I'd try to write in the margins a little bit about her life as well. Those that knew her knew that she was just really smart, very smart woman. And not just intelligent, but kind of like wise smart, right? She um, hardworking, committed to task, really, you know, head down. She was in, had incredible dexterity with her hands, just really fast at everything that she did with, the, with her hands. She was an avid reader. She was private. She didn't really like people to know her business. Maybe that's all of us, I don't know, but particularly mom. She was health conscious, big organic gardener, loved to take her vitamins. But she was a woman of deep faith as well. Not just deep faith, but faithful, I think would be a good way to describe mom. And maybe most importantly, for me anyway, she was a really good cook, <laughs> really good. Um, so life began for mom um, as the daughter of school teachers in eastern Oklahoma. And of course, no pressure there to do well in school, I suppose, but she did. But I think to really understand mom, as, as I see it anyway, is you maybe go back one more generation and uh, to her grandparents, I mean, both sets farmers lived off the land. Um, in the summers, uh, she would visit her, um, her dad, uh, granddad, my granddad, Scott. She would visit his parents at the homestead. 
two bedrooms and a path, basically. You know what that means, right? Uh, very humble. And in that place, that family raised seven kids, right? Um, I still recall visiting, and, and uh, it was basically rocks pushing up out of the soil, yet they, they tended to that very hard scrabble sort of life. My granddad would tell the story, mom's dad, about how he would, his granddad would, or his dad would take him out into the fields and they would work and probably pulled plows by mules and all that, You'd probably see the picture. And uh, he would gather the boys periodically throughout the day and he would just say, boys, let's pray. And he would pray for the fields, he would pray for the harvest, right? Um, that's the people that she came from. In her, uh, while she was visiting, she would talk about uh, experience later. She would talk to us about her grandmother, great cook, um, loved the flavor of her food, and, and she <laughs> used to talk about the chickens there. Like, the, like, like she would say once to me, it's like, you know, chickens these days just don't have the same sort of flavor, right? And I kind of questioned her, like, what does that mean? You know, and she's like, well, you know, on the farm, they just eat what they can find. And I said, well, what do you mean? And it's like, well, you know, bugs and worms and don't think I like chicken as much quite after that, but you know, that's, that's, what, that's, that's what she did. So she got that kind of developed in her. She was around those people her life and that was carried forth with her dad and mom. Um, granddad was a lot like his dad, deep faith, high work ethic, loved gardening, big gardens. And my grandmother, mom's mom was kind of had that quiet dignity Never a harsh word. Also a woman of deep faith, though. These are the people Mom sprang from, and Mom, I think, carried that heritage and legacy with her all of her life, really. Academically, you've heard she excelled in school. She skipped a grade in elementary, class valedictorian. Um, but, you know, um, that could have been because she worked hard or was just, just gifted, I guess. But the thing that really always stuck out to me was even then, my granddad, at age, when mom was age nine, got her a, a job working in the fields picking beans, like, kind of like a sharecropper, right? And he would leave her there for that period of time, and she would do her row, and um, you know, he'd come back for her in the afternoons and kind of check on her, and then at the end of the day, he'd help her finish the row, but she was out there with the adults doing her thing. That was mom. So that's what she learned early. In college, she majored in business administration, um, and I, I still marvel at age 12, myself at age 12, she taught me the difference between compound interest and simple interest. How many of your mothers did that? I, yeah, exactly. I remember I was quite enamored with that and decided I wanted to be on the lending side. <laughs> and compounding was, was great, love that concept. While she was at school, you heard she, she, um, um, she met my dad, and together they had five kids. And the things that I recall about growing up in this family were work and gardening, academics, food, and church. Um, Mom would work all day, and just a marvel. She would come home after the end of the day, and, and literally between 35 and 40 minutes from scratch, She'd have a meat and two veggies on the table. Just pretty amazing, wasn't it? 
She was just fast at it and good. And the thing about that is that it tasted good. <laughs> I mean, it was always good. It's probably why when I'm out and needing to find a place to eat that I look for a meat and two or a meat and three. I think it reminds me of mom and I think it reminds me of home. About four years ago, she lost her taste, largely, maybe within a few months, I don't know. It's, time has relevance to me here, I guess, but I've lost time. But, um, but I kind of, in some ways, I mean, that was a joy for her. She loved the taste of things. And I think maybe, in some ways, that was kind of the beginning of the end, if you look back on it. She had this big garden. It could have been an acre. I mean, it was huge. Uh, she would can up over 100 quarts of beans a year, one year a couple hundred, and she stewed tomatoes and she put up fresh strawberries to freeze, and, and uh, it wasn't just a garden, it was an organic garden, of course. Um, did not like the pesticides. They took us to church three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday. Faith was important to mom and dad, and but I would say that mom's faith was really kind of more of a quiet faith. I think she showed her faith by example more than she would talk about it. Dad was the more full frontal one when it came to that sort of thing. Mom's quietness and faith didn't mean she was weak or nominal at that. She just was quiet about it. Mom showed a quiet devotion to dad. I never heard her say a mean or derogatory thing about dad. Heaven knows he probably gave her a lot of material. <laughs> In fact, I don't really remember her saying an ill word about anyone. Uh, Mom was private. Even though she had a somewhat public life, she didn't talk about herself. She didn't really talk about her accomplishments or, for that matter, her weaknesses. I just don't think she wanted to call attention to herself, good or bad. I don't, like, it's almost like she just didn't want to burden people with things. I don't know. It's just kind of who she was. And she certainly wasn't a bragger. I think it's in this hard-working and task-oriented, faith-lived existence where she never called attention to herself. I mean, I think that's really... I think that's mom's greatest gift to us all. Let your actions do the talking. I think that was the glue to her marriage, the success of her business, the legacy of her children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, her testimony to her faith and life. And I think it's why I say and believe even today that if I've ever contributed to God's kingdom here on earth, or if I've ever influenced anyone in this life for better, it's not been by anything I've ever said. It's been in the quiet words of actions. And that was mom. So almost two years ago, um, you've heard mom, uh, mom, uh, mom's skin started turning a little yellow. <coughs> Maybe some of you didn't even know that. She had a little surgery to remove a clog from her bile duct but when they were there, they found a mass. Um, interestingly, the oncologist, she went to the oncologist, they said six months. 
I bet most of you didn't know that. She's very private. He also asked her if she wanted to have hospice come in. And she says, what? Huh? No, no. Not, certainly not ready for that. They also wanted to have her drink a little bit of uh, radioactive dye and do a PET scan. And I guess they light you up. And they, they wanted to just see how things had progressed and all that. And she said she'd think about it. And in a couple days, she uh, came up with her decision, and she says, I don't think that radioactive liquid would be very good for me. <laughs> exactly. But that was her way, right? Instead, she decided to do something a little less traditional, um, kind of treat herself holistically. She just, you know, at 91, you can do about what you want. And that's what she decided to do. And I'll just say, in the last two years, she hadn't shown any signs of any of the ravages of that. That wasn't really what took her. Um, at least not anything that she'd tell us that she was in pain about or anything. So just hardly like it, it didn't even happen. And I appreciated that about her, that she would forge her own path that way. Beth and I visited her New Year's just passed. She wanted to cook for us, we worked puzzles, and she would have us read the morning, a morning devotion to her. About six months ago, she started getting tired. About four months ago, I suppose, we kind of learned that her heart was failing. About eight weeks ago, she needed someone to be with her all the time, mostly. Sarah and Jonathan sat with her quite a lot. Thank you, by the way. That was a gift. They have stories of conversations with mom about her faith and being ready to go. It's lovely. Uh, weekend before last, we all gathered for her birthday. She could sit up to the table. She was tired and her mind might have been a little fuzzy, but she had moments that she was just quite lucid and it was a really good visit. Sarah had found my old grades after she was going through a box and given them to me. Lots more B's and C's than I had remembered. <laughs> As I was leaving, I mentioned to mom that I wasn't a very good student. And she looked up and she says, I know. <laughs> no, I know. Now, I like to think that at that very moment, she might have been in one of those little fuzzy moments. <laughs> Or maybe she was just needling me because she did have a, a really good sense of humor. The Monday, the Monday, the Monday after I left, her decline accelerated. By Wednesday, she stayed in bed and didn't get up. Friday evening, she passed. I imagine one day, Mom being ushered into heaven, sitting before the seat of judgment, probably not liking the attention. By the way. Certainly not liking to have her business aired, but then there is Jesus taking her by the hand. She's mine. Well done. Thank you, Mom, for your wonderful example. Faithful to the end, we will miss you, and I will miss you.
I am reading this on behalf of my oldest sister, Abby Gregory, who very, very dearly wishes that she could have been able to make it today. And in typical Abby fashion, this was a buzzer beater last minute edition. Maybe don't tell her I said that. Uh, hey guys, I wrote down a little something if anyone wants to share on my behalf at grandmother's funeral, a little pressure. When I think of grandmother, I think of candy orange slices. I think of trying to find the Indian with the bow and arrow on the Tootsie Pop wrappers. I think of learning to play Chinese checkers. I think of spending hours sitting in her living room with Grandma Jetty and reading the boxcar children books. I think of having sleepovers in her basement. I think of waking up early in my bunk bed and sneaking upstairs because I knew that if I was up before anyone else, she would let me watch a Shirley Temple movie. However, always before I would ask her if I could watch one, came sitting with her at the kitchen table and her always asking what I wanted to eat for breakfast and making it for me kind of like a short order cook. That felt like such a treat. I am pretty sure I always asked for bacon. When I think of grandmother, I think of the fake engagement ring in my glove box that I have just in case I want to ward off any unwanted male attention and tell people I have a fiance named Rudolph Rubenstein. <laughs> when I think of grandmother, I think of how she took time to write a handwritten personalized note in every birthday card that I ever received. I saved all of them. When I think of grandmother, I know that she loved me as she did all of her grandchildren. I have very uh, many fond memories of her and of all of you, and I am thankful to be part of this family. With all my love, Abby. Good morning. My name is Sarah Kuykendall, and I'm Dorothy's daughter. I'm honored to speak to you today about my wonderful mother. As our family saw my mother's health decline over the last few months, we decided that it would be best to have a family member check in on her more often. I had the pr privilege to be able to spend a lot of time staying with my mother and caring for her and helping with other responsibilities that were too much for her to do on her own. I will cherish this time in my heart forever. We had We had lots of good talks, some good laughs, and enjoyed each other's company immensely. As we would sit down for breakfast each morning, we would read from the devotional mom kept at the table, followed by one of us praying. I would indiscreetly video mom as she prayed because I wanted to capture this precious moment of her talking to the Lord. So please forgive me, mom. <laughs> I don't think she probably wanted me to do that, but um, I want to share some of those prayers with you this morning. 
I really wanted to play the audio of her praying so you could hear her voice, but my technology skills are not quite good enough to pull that off. So um, I've transcribed the prayers and will read them to you. And in order to understand some of her comments, you have to know that she was trying her best to increase her protein intake and get enough grams for the day to help improve her state of health, and it was not always enjoyable for her. I hope that you will hear her heart and her beloved humor in her words. June 27, 2022. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance that you are with us always and don't lead us any further than we need to go today, and you didn't lead us any further than we needed to go yesterday. So we just thank you for being always available and just help us to recognize the moments when you are there and take them as what we should be looking for and how you guide us each step of the way. Thank you for the food, even though we don't really enjoy it, like going to an ice cream pie place or a hamburger place and all those places. We, we thank you that you do provide food for us and we trust that it's what we should be eating and for all the things that we look forward to today, we thank you. We don't know how all these healthcare different things are going to work out, but we pray that you will guide us in making those decisions. In Jesus' name, thank you for the food. Amen. June 28, 2022. We thank you for today, for the things in our life that you wanted to happen and that you made them happen. We thank you for how you look after us and you help us to know the truth. We pray that we will always seek your truth also because the truth will make you free. Thank you for the food, and I pray that it's enough grams to take us over into the kind that we need. <laughs> Just show us the next step. In Jesus' name, amen. June 29th, 2022. Thank you for today. You've said you'd be with us and you'd help us in all that we do, and so we just have to trust that that is what is happening. Guide and direct us in everything that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. July 4th, 2022. Even though what I think I've got to eat this morning may not look appetizing, I'm glad to have it. <laughs> I'm thankful that you've provided the things that I need for the day, and I pray that this will be what I need. We think about people that we consider great, and they are great, because they've done so much for you, and I just thank you for their influence and how we need to not just keep our eye here and there, but to keep it focused on how God is helping us and how he's going to show us the way to the new land. Guide and direct us in all that we do today, and may you be glorified and may you teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. July 18, 2022, and this is in a weak voice. Um, Father, thank you for bringing us through the night, helping us to know those things that we know are true. We know that your truth is with us everywhere and that we can rely on it. I just can't think of what it is I want to say. Just knowing that you are truth and you show us the truth and the truth is right and that's what we want to be able to say. This is right. Father, we know the things that we should do. One is to always ask for truth, always ask for light, always ask for your leading. 
Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the food, amen. <laughs> um, so that's all the prayers that I have transcribed. But I, I think that's something that made a huge impression on me is to see that my mom trusted God with the, with the here and now and also with her future. And the Lord knew her heart even when she didn't know what, what to pray. And my prayer is that these prayers that our mother prayed during a difficult time in her life will encourage you in whatever you are going through in your own life. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. Um, it's funny, in my role as pastor here at, at Bueller MB, um, I've only been here three years. So some of, I, I get to these points and, and uh, know some of the people that I'm doing funerals for better or worse. I, I knew Dorothy a little and I'm glad of that. When I first got here with an aging congregation, um, you know, there were some early ones that I didn't know, but saw her regularly attend until the C word, COVID, you know, and then see her less and less. But I was so glad that I um, got to see her a few weeks, a few weeks ago with um, Jonathan. You know, uh, hearing, <laughs> hearing all these stories about uh, physical things, um, I can't help it, and we, we had a good chat. Jonathan and Sarah and I had a good chat, and she, uh, Sarah made a lot of reference to that. And thinking about our, our bodies and um, how these earth suits of ours fall apart, right? And uh, she had 35 years on me, but I totally get it about how that goes. And it's a reminder to us when we get to this point then to say that earth suit, that body is not us. And I think that's terribly important to remind ourselves of. And um, I, I find myself wanting to apologize for an illustration I want to, I'm gonna tell you a story and I tell it at a lot of funerals here, but it's just my favorite one. And um, so if you've heard it before, sorry. But it's so, when we think about Dorothy and her challenges physically, you know, and more than we even knew maybe, you know, um, here's the reminder about our physical bodies. It's, it's an illustration from John Quincy Adams. He was, uh, if we're not all history buffs, we remind ourselves that he was an early president in our country. And he was a follower of Jesus, absolutely. And uh, here, here's the story. One day in his 80th year, he was approached by a friend who said, and how is John Quincy Adams today? The former president of the United States replied graciously, thank you. John Quincy Adams is well, sir, quite well, thank you. But the house in which he lives at present is becoming dilapidated. It's tottering upon its foundations. Time and the seasons have nearly destroyed it. Its roof is pretty well worn out. Its walls are much shattered, and it trembles with every wind. 
the old tenement is becoming almost uninhabitable. And I think John Quincy Adams will have to move out of it soon. But he himself is quite well, sir, quite well. With this, he hobbled down the street, believing without a shadow of a doubt that the real John Quincy Adams was not a body that you could enclose in a casket or bury in a grave. I love that. Because when we get to this point of somebody who's followed Jesus, it is such a reminder to say, this ain't nothing. And we're sorry <laughs> for ourselves, even, <laughs> you know, all, all, all of our days. But for someone like Dorothy who struggled with some physical stuff. And, and just a reminder that it, we are so much more than the physical, our true selves. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We're not really this kind of church, but all of you should be saying, Amen. Because aren't we ready to ditch these bodies? Yeah. More than bringing us to death, in most ways, God is calling us home, and we know that this existence, this world, is not our home. And that's a reminder that I never want to leave out when we get to these points. Talking with Jonathan and Sarah, uh, we were mentioning favorite passages, and in your folder that you're all holding, on the back is a marvelous passage that they said was terribly important to Dorothy. And let me tell you, bravo, Dorothy, because if there were, when you're, when you're a pastor type, it's hard when someone says, well, what's your favorite passage or what's your life? I, I, it would probably be good for us all to have a life passage or verse, but this would absolutely be one of my top ones. It's from Proverbs 3. I'm going to read it again. You can check it out on the back of your folder. Here's what the, proverb, the writer of Proverbs says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. This, is, this, <laughs> this passage preaches itself. I could sit down, but I'm not going to. Um, because I want to remind you of some of these great points that comes out of this passage that meant so much to Dorothy. First of all, that idea of trust. Trust, believe, believe in the Lord, trust in the Lord. That's full dependence, full confidence in the God of the universe, in the almighty creator. Full dependence and confidence. And that word heart, uh, there are so many guys so much smarter than me that want to uh, that can tell you about the, um, you know, the origin of a word like heart in the original Hebrew and Greek and all this. But what we know about heart is it's our mind, our will, our emotions, or even our spirit. It's really our true self. And so we are trusting in the God of the universe with all of us. That's the encouragement from this passage. Lean not on your own understanding. Just a reminder that sometimes, as the created, we don't get it. 
and other places in scripture we know that his ways are not our ways and we need to understand that sometimes our logic or our reason is not his because the creator eclipses the creation lean not on your own understanding come what may in all your ways submit to him you know i I'm, I'm just old enough to have some annoying translation things i always learned that in all your ways acknowledge him okay submit is good too acknowledge submit but that passage is a lot like the the heart part right you're all in all your ways there should be nothing left out of your life that you're not giving up to god and letting him be a part of nothing halfway and then the promise that he will make your path straight that might seem a little strange to us these days, but generally let's remind ourselves that straight paths are the preferable ones. Unless you're some extreme marathon hiker, runner or something, I don't know what, but generally straight paths are the preferable ones. They're comfortable, they're pleasant, they're desirable, they're easy. Now, we know that life is full of non-straight paths, but this reminder from this passage that when we trust in God with all of our being, we will have straight paths. What a marvelous passage. And if this is new to you, I'm so happy to be able to share it with you. And the great thing about this passage, a passage written hundreds of years before Jesus came, right? Uh, that it's fulfilled, it's really re fully realized in Jesus. Because he said himself, and this ends up being a terribly appropriate passage for a funeral. But listen to what Jesus says in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, believe, remember, we could do a word study, but believe, trust, put your confidence in, your faith, that's all rooted in that. You believe in God, you trust in God, Jesus is saying, trust in me. And here's why. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. And again, amen. Right? This is what it's all about. It's not about our earthly bodies. It's not about the struggles and troubles we have. It's to know Jesus is preparing a place for us because trust in the Lord with all your heart is fully realized in him. Heaven for eternity with Jesus, overwhelming. Now, let's just real quick, while we have a minute left here together, we can juxtapose that proverb that was written all those hundreds years ahead with what it means to be, have faith in Jesus. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. The new deal, the new revelation, the new realization. Trust in Jesus with all your heart. And there's a new understanding about what it means, you know, to not lean on our own understanding. Our understanding would say... I'm a sinful, terrible person. I deserve to not be with God forever in eternity. And Jesus says, ah, I changed all that. Grace, mercy, forgiveness. It's all about the work Jesus did for us. And that's a new understanding that we might not get initially. Now, it's the same 
the same sort of submission in all your ways submit to him uh, you know uh, now our obedience is to what Jesus talked about and he talked about changed hearts not just behavior and choices Jesus was about changed hearts and he said then at the end to make your path you know he will make your path straight Jesus actually created the path to an eternity with the Creator forever that seems like a great straight path and so I regularly talk about this when we when we lay to rest a Jesus follower and I say I know that the world the world thinks we're a little weird because while it's clearly sad, and Jesus said, blessed are the those that mourn, they will be comforted. And I want to make sure you all hear me say that. Mourning is a great thing. Re uh, don't apologize or worry about that. Jesus said we would be comforted. But we celebrate uh, with Dorothy because she's where she belongs because she trusted in Jesus. And if uh, you happen to be an attender of Bueller MB and you have been to funerals in this room before, you know that I regularly say, regularly, that it's a different story for you if you don't know what it means to trust and follow Jesus, like Dorothy did. So I wouldn't want anybody here to miss an opportunity to hear you know, uh, the wonderful stories, even a quiet faith, a humble faith, marvelous. And that's the faith that Dorothy has. And that's what we celebrate, that she is in heaven with Jesus. So my encouragement today, be like Dorothy. And then we can celebrate at your funeral that you made it home because you've ditched your mortal bodies and you are in your glorious body forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for grace and mercy and forgiveness for all of these things because, God, it was your plan, your plan to bring us back to yourself through Jesus. God, we're so thankful for that. God, we're so thankful for Dorothy, that she modeled this, that she had a faith and trust in you, and she knew what it means uh, to follow Jesus. And now, God, we are rejoicing with her as she has entered into her heavenly home. God, we all long to join her. So, God, as we have gathered here, I pray that you would be pleased with our worship and our uh, life song to you. And God, again, as we have gathered here as friends and family, I pray your blessing even in our time of grief. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>
voice. Let's sing one more time, just the voices. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want to let you know that interment took place just prior to this service. And I also want to invite you all to a light meal that will immediately follow uh, in the fellowship hall. So in just a moment, uh, the family will exit first and then you should follow. And we'd love for you to stay and join to support the family during this time. Now please hear this benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. Amen and amen.